0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to Life with GDPR, a podcast where I work in conjunction with Jonathan Armstrong, partner at Quartery Compliance in London, and a well-known data privacy data protection expert. In this podcast, Jonathan Armstrong and I take a look at the recently announced GDPR sanction against British Airways for its data breach in September Uh, 2018, or at least reported to the ICO in September 2018. We go through the basic facts of the event and the response of uh, British Airways and the ICO as the lead regulator in this matter. It's a fascinating uh, case study on perhaps what you shouldn't do. And Jonathan uh, also gives lessons learned for the compliance practitioner. I know you will find this enjoyable and useful. Life with GDPR is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Tom Fox, back with Jonathan Armstrong from Quarterly Compliance in London for another episode. And today, we, uh, we rarely have breaking news on Life with uh, GDPR, but uh, th- this is uh, pretty close to breaking news as today, uh, on uh, July 8th, date of this recording, British Airways was hit with the largest penalty to date under uh, GDPR. million pounds, which translates to roughly $230 million. Fine from stemming from compromised data of nearly 500,000 customers from, uh, I believe, September, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, 2018. So, Jonathan, with that um, introduction, first of all, welcome. Thanks very much, Tom. Thank you. So Jonathan Cordery has already jumped on this and put up a client alert, but uh, uh, this really seems like there's a lot to unpack. So you want to kind of give us the backdrop?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, We've talked about this case just in passing on prior podcasts, and it stems, as you rightly say, from a breach that was discovered in September 2018, but the incident could have started around 2016. It was discovered in 2018, or at least so um, so BA say. And uh, around about 500,000 customers were compromised. Effectively, what it involved was somebody diverting traffic from BA's website to a rogue site, and that allowed them to harvest customer de- details. And that included login details, payment card details, and travel booking details, as well as name and address information. Now, BA says that whilst this data was put at risk, nobody has come to harm. But it's fair to say that this is disputed by some individuals who say that their payment cards were compromised, and they think that is, as a direct result, of them being exposed. We we just don't know whether that's true or not yet. But in any event, the uh, Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO in the UK, the UK Data Protection Authority, has said that it intends to fine BA for putting the data at risk. And whilst BA says that this was a criminal act, the law is pretty clear organizations have to put in place adequate technical and organisational measures to stop breaches like this happening and if the measures that they have put in place are not adequate then they are liable and and that seems to be the ico's argument now if we get uh, if if the intention to find solidifies then we'll know the full reasons for the fine and how it's calculated. Most likely, the ICO will release them. But at the moment, to some extent, we're batting in the dark. We do know that BA had reported the incident to the ICO. And as we said in our last podcast, that automatically meant that a number of uh, law firms got on the back of the breach and said that they intended to launch class actions. And today's announcement. Will almost certainly help them in that litigation. Now, it's important to remember that this fine isn't the first under GDPR. It isn't even the first for a data breach. In the Netherlands, for example, they've uh, taken action against more than 300 organisations. In, uh, in 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 um, other countries, we've had fines already approaching. Uh, $400,000 euros. But if the fine follows the intention to fine, it will be the largest fine for a security breach, and it'll be second in terms of GDPR fines, the largest being uh, the Google case in France, 500 million euros. That's not a security breach fine. So, what happens next is that uh, the uh, BA will have the chance to make representations to the ICO. They they can say they think the fine's too lenient. I think that's highly unlikely. They are most likely to say that they think that the fine is too high. Now, interestingly, both BA's CEO have commented on the fine today, and the CEO of BA's parent company has also commented. And he seems to be being pretty robust, saying that they will also consider an appeal if the ICO does not listen to their representations before um, b- before making the fine definite. BA also say that the fine is equivalent to 1.5% of BA's worldwide turnover for 2017. And you'll remember turnover that's the same as uh, as as revenue, and that a fine under GDPR can be up to 4%, uh, assuming that the breach was reported in time. It can be 6% if the breach wasn't reported within the 72 hours, and there was no good reason for that. So, again, what BA knew and when will become relevant to this investigation if they decide to play hard and fast with the ICO. Um As I say, BA say that there's no evidence that any data compromise has been misused, and it's likely that their arguments will be based on that, on the fact that they've cooperated with the regulator. And in addition, the BA say that they have put remediatory actions in place, and they'll also be relevant to the level of fine as well. Mm -hmm. Our experience when we deal with the ICO and other regulators in incidents like this is it's critical that you look at robust remediation measures, you take them quickly and you tell the regulator that you're doing that as, a, as a, a part of a plan of self-correction. So we've talked before about our Breach Navigator software, for example, that helps people do that. In cases like this, you're almost, want, almost always going to want to review the software that maintains uh, the website, look at the servers, look at your subcontractors, look at training, and put a, a, a detailed uh, proposal to the regulator saying these are the remediation actions we propose. So still, by looking at remediation again, it could be that BA can influence the proposed fine downwards. Against that, however, it's important to remember that the ICO is acting for the as the lead regulator under one-stop shop. Now, what that means is that a number of uh, regulators across the EU will also have the chance to have their say. And we might get regulators like the French regulator to say, actually, the fine is too low. When you look at our precedent with Google, we might find German regulators saying this is a pretty egregious breach and the fine as a result should be higher. It should be approaching 4% of turnover Rather than 1.5. So there is the chance that there could be people making representations at an EU level for a higher fine. So it's not a done deal yet at the uh, number that's been announced this morning. But BA have told the stock exchange that they're expecting a considerable fine, or at least that there's been an intention to, to give them a considerable fine. And there's all sorts of lessons, I think, to be learned, even from the initial opening salvo, that uh, businesses would be wise to take into account.
0: Jonathan, before we get to some of those lessons, uh, there were a couple of things that struck me as, if not troubling, certainly unusual in BEA's response. Um, In one of the press releases I read, uh, they said, quote, we have found no evidence of fraud slash fraudulent activity on accounts linked to the theft. Uh, That was sort of point number one, which seemed to indicate that no harm, no foul. And then in the uh, quarterly um, client alert, which uh, you guys have posted, the uh, ICO had uh, overestimated the breach. And uh, once again, noting that there had been no evidence that the data compromised had been misused Perhaps the third thing I found unusual in the series of announcements, or at least press releases, was that the uh, CEO of BA made these. Um, And on first pass, it seemed to me that BA completely misses the point of this law, which is a strict liability law. Uh, It's not about whether uh, criminals breached your data security. It's not about whether the data... Was misused. It's about whether you had sufficient protections in place to keep the data from being breached and stolen in the first place. Did I somehow miss something here? No, you're right. Uh, in 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 most of that, there
1: is an absolute obligation to report uh, un, unless an exception applies. One of those exceptions could be that there is no likely harm to any individual. But the burden of proof is on BA to prove that. And, and I don't think they've adduced any evidence to say there's no likelihood of harm. And as I say, indeed, a couple of people at least have come out of the woodwork today to say, well, hang on. I did come to harm as a result of this breach. Now, whether they have evidence or not, I, I don't know that. But as I say, in terms of the reporting obligation, the burden of proof is on is on BA to prove that individuals haven't come to harm rather than individuals to prove to prove they have. So that aside, that it's likely that there is an obligation to report the breach under under GDPR and then the ICO is perfectly entitled to investigate. The ICO can investigate without harm because as you say, the test is did BA put in place adequate technical and organizational measures. And even if there isn't a breach, they can still take action. We've had one case back in the day, don't quote me, but let's say 10, 11, 12 years ago, which was a fine from the financial services regulator in the UK under similar legislation, which was around um, verification. You know, when, when I call up, how do you prove that I am you? And in that case, the regulator accepted that there were no data breaches but said, but your systems weren't adequate. The fact that you're lucky and nobody came to harm is irrelevant. You know, luck doesn't save you from a fine. But where harm will be relevant is to the level of fine. And I think BA's argument, I think, is okay, if we failed in our technical and organizational measures, then we accept that we are open to a fine or are open to some adverse finding in an investigation, but that doesn't mean that should be 1.5% of our global annual revenue, because nobody came to harm, the level of fine should be less, or maybe it's it's appropriate to have no monetary penalty at all, since nobody came to harm. So I think that's going to be their uh, argument. I think what they will likely do is go back to the ICO and try and set all of that out. And I suspect what they're trying to really sow in the seeds of the ICO is to say, look, um, unless you reduce the fine, then we're almost certain to appeal. And probably what people close to BAS are saying at this stage is, and, and, and this whole system is based on the EU antitrust system and we know that many antitrust fines haven't held up on appeal, and this process will take you three years. There's all sorts of complications over Brexit, of course, because it'll be an appeal to a court that would be an EU court, and the UK may not be in the EU by the time that appeal is heard. So I suspect what, the, what BA are trying to do is... Um, is is raise a number of arguments, which might mean that the ICO decides to settle for a lesser fee, uh, a lesser fine, a lesser monetary penalty, uh, uh, and or uh, change it to some other type of enforcement activity, like an enforcement notice. So I suspect that's what's going on tactically. But I agree with you, It's, it's, it's a somewhat difficult game for BA to play And particularly because what often happens in an organisation is the senior management say, guys at the operational level made the wrong decisions, we're investigating and we're going to toughen up what we do. And you know more about this than I do, Tom, but you can't rule out the possibility of things like shareholder class actions saying you, senior management, knew what was going on and you're responsible for the inevitable drop in share price. And I just wonder whether by being more visible in their statements, whether these two particular officers of the company are exposing themselves to higher risk.
0: So uh, perhaps now we could turn to some of the lessons learned uh, from this case. Uh, What uh, do you see as some of the primary lessons for the Uh, corporate uh, setting, and also for a data protection officer or anyone else within the organization charged with uh, uh, both data protection and data privacy?
1: Yes, I guess the first lesson is, as we thought from the start, uh, security is important. It's, um, you know, one of the six foundation stones of GDPR is the obligation to take data secure. secure. And as we've said, that has its own article as well in GDPR that effectively says, as we've said earlier, you have to take uh, adequate technical and organizational measures to keep data secure. So, first of all, I think most people will want to review their processes and procedures, take a particular look at websites, this particular type of software from what I understand has been responsible for many other data breaches and there are still, I know somebody commented today, more than 240 large organizations that use the same software vulnerabilities and all. So first of all, patch those vulnerabilities, make sure that you have software in place that monitors what goes on on your website, looks out for these uh, particular types of attack. Um, Secondly, of course, you need proper procedures in place when data breaches happen. Data breaches for most organizations are an inevitable fact of life. So we have to do all that we can to stop them happening, but be aware of the fact that they'll still happen anyway, despite everything that we do, because we're always going to get human error. However good our procedures are, we're going to always going to get somebody leave a notebook on a train or ring up a colleague and tell them stuff they shouldn't, or whatever that might be. So we also need to make sure that we have proper processes and procedures in place to handle data breaches quickly, to minimise the effects of the data breach, to look at mitigating them, remediatory actions of of the type I've talked about already, and to make sure that the report goes to a regulator in a really timely manner. Now, as as I've said, we think that you need a proper system to do that. For full disclosure, you, you know, Caudry has one um, that, that that we that we sell to clients. But even if it's just a Excel spreadsheet and a team of people and um, a, 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 and some proper investigatory techniques that'll help you diagnose the issue, then you need something in place. And it's a bit like a fire alarm, really. You need everybody in the organisation to know that they've got to raise the alarm really quickly, and you need those charged with your regulatory reporting to know how to act quickly and how to take that information and build on it. So, at this stage, from what we know, BA did manage to hit the 72-hour reporting deadline. Um, If they challenge the fine, that might become a live issue again. But it's important to focus on that time but also to make sure that your response is proportionate. And also, as I've said, to look at remediation. Volunteer to fix things to a regulator, and then that will reduce the prospect of a regulator fining you or making you do things that you'd rather not do.
0: With the appeal process and the, um, actually, I guess now public sparring that's going on, do you see this uh, really as uh, um, a statement by the ICO of not only uh, serious intent, but to strictly enforce uh, the laws when they are the, um, the lead uh, regulator? Um, or is the ICO just saying this is just a standard case? It just is a little bit larger uh, than the normal case.
1: There's no evidence at the moment that they've taken a different uh, approach to other cases, you know, their investigations normally are thorough. Uh, The fact that it's become public that they intend to find before they find is unusual. They've only done that once before, to my knowledge. But I think there is some chatter uh, which, which suggests that BA decided that they had to make the intention to find public to comply with their obligations being a public Uh, listed entity. Uh, I I don't know the truth of that yet, and it's still too early to work that out. But in any event, it's somewhat unusual for the notice of intent to find to be public and to be enough for us to have a public debate about that. It's not the first time it's happened, probably won't be the last. I think think it's uh, somewhat convenient for the ICO at the moment whilst there's all this speculation about what might happen if Brexit happens. So the ICO uh, w- and would have to persuade fellow regulators in the EU that it was serious about enforcing GDPR, and this might turn out to be convenient. As you know, we're in a state of flux uh, with the European Commission at the moment, because we just had some elections and a new commission is being appointed. But it was interesting that Vera Yarova, the commissioner who was responsible for data protection in the old administration, was sort of giving kudos out to the ICO over social media this morning. So it's certainly not escaped the notice of those in the EU that the UK is trying to do all that it can to enforce GDPR and security breaches, and obviously the fact that they Um, If the fine crystallises, the fact that they've brought the heaviest penalty for a security breach under GDPR won't go unnoticed, I think, in those discussions. So, yeah, we're in interesting times politically. We're in interesting times with GDPR. And I think this case comes at the intersection of both of those.
0: Well, Jonathan, this has been a fascinating exploration of uh, certainly a significant case, and I guess the thing that, that struck me after listening to you was really two. One was the significance of the fine and penalty, and BA, I think, uh, at least most uh, international people would recognize as one of the signature corporations of the United Kingdom. But also, uh, I don't mean to to minimize uh, what I just said, but. Uh, this is is almost routine in terms of the actions or actions not taken by the company, uh, a strict a straight data breach, um, uh, and the um, the consequences uh, under a law that's uh, pretty close to strict liability. So both significant and uh, almost uh, routine uh, in terms of uh, what happened to the company. And as you said earlier that it's not uh, if you're going to have a data breach, but when, and did you have sufficient protections in place uh, to try to protect yourself, and then if you didn't, uh, to move aggressively after the breach to remediate. Yeah, correct. It's, it's, it's
1: not the first case. It's not even the first case under GDPR. It, it, Shearer's eggs or eggs won't be the last.
0: <laughs> well, that seems like a great note to end it on, Jonathan. Thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Pleasure. Happy flying. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Life with GDPR, where we took up the proposed enforcement action against British Airways for its data breach. Jonathan and his colleagues at Quarterly Compliance have written about this, and we're going to link to it in the show notes. If you have any additional questions, you can contact Jonathan at Jonathan Armstrong. That's Jonathan.Armstrong at QuarterlyCompliance.com. I'm, of course, available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Hope you'll join us again for our next episode of Life with GDPR. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.